0: Hello, Clear Skies Ahead listeners. This is Kelly Savoy, and I'm hoping you can take a moment of your time to rate and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. We have produced over 60 episodes, and you can help us reach even more individuals that will benefit from the diverse experiences shared by our guests. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this new episode. Welcome to the American Meteorological Society's podcast series, Clear Skies Ahead, conversations about careers in meteorology and beyond. I'm Kelly Savoy and I'm here with Matt Mall and we'll be your hosts. We're excited to give you the opportunity to step into the shoes of an expert working in weather, water, and climate sciences.
1: We're happy to introduce today's guest, Kelly Nunez-Ocasio. ASP Postdoctoral Fellow at the Mesoscale and Microscale Meteorology Lab at NCAR. Welcome, Kelly, and thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you
2: very much for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Kelly, could you tell us a little bit about what sparked your interest in science and how it influenced your educational path?
2: Yes, it all started back in 1998 when Puerto Rico was hit by Hurricane George I remember being so scared, I was a kid back then. I was scared of the sound of the wind, the trembling walls, and what was a fear slowly evolved into an interest and eventually a passion. My mom says that after the hurricane, I was very much interested in the clouds, in the weather forecast on TV, especially the satellite images, which showed the ongoing weather. So I think that's where it all started.
1: So what opportunities did you pursue inside and outside of school that you knew would be beneficial to securing a job in the profession?
2: That is the great question. The very first opportunity I pursued, encouraged by my mom, that I think was a milestone for my future career in studies, was participating in a NOAA weather camp when I was in 10th grade. I remember I was the youngest weather camper, that cohort, and learning so much about the weather, and especially where I could study meteorology in Puerto Rico. I learned that the only university that offers a degree in meteorology and atmospheric science in Puerto Rico is the University of Puerto Rico at Mayaguez. This university offers a curricular sequence in meteorology, but it must be paired with a major in a hardcore science or an engineering degree. And I eventually completed my Bachelor of Science in theoretical physics with that curricular sequence in atmospheric science and meteorology. And during that time as an undergraduate, I became an active member of the AMS local chapter, and that really opened a lot of doors for me. It was the start of my career network and where I took on many leadership roles. I think in addition to that, um, being involved in the local chapter, I also participated in several internship opportunities. I was awarded the... NOAA Educational Partnership Program Fellowship that provided me with two years of funding and two internship experiences across different NOAA offices. The first year, I interned at the Climate Prediction Center at College Park, Maryland. There, I learned about the El Niño-Southern Oscillation and the second year, I entered at the Hurricane Research Division in Miami, Florida, where I studied hurricanes. And I was even able to participate in a reconnaissance aircraft mission. Um, and I flew into a hurricane with the hurricane hunters. And, oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, that was a dream come true. Um, I even got the official hurricane hunter certificate because in my mission, we were actually able to penetrate the eyewalls of the hurricane various times. And that's how you get the certificate. So <laughs> it was really a a dream come true. So what
0: was that like? Is it, I mean, was it scary? Was it like, I can't imagine that experience.
2: Yeah. So I guess I was so excited, but it turns out that when we flew into the system as a tropical storm, it was much more bumpy and uh, nauseating <laughs> than <laughs> oh, no. uh, when we flew into it as a hurricane. When it was already a hurricane, I guess it was pretty organized, and and the pilots were able to 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 fly into it and have a better sense of. Uh, of it. So um, that was unexpected for me, actually. I thought it was going to be a bumpy ride as a a major hurricane, but um, it was really fun. I was able to help the the scientists uh, collect some of the information of the drop signs, where they were dropped, location, time. And so it was a very enriching experience. And then the last internship I completed during my undergraduate years, was a research experience for undergraduates, an RU, at Penn State University. And that's where my passion about African-ishly waves and the formation of hurricanes really uh, started. And it is interesting. So I continue to collaborate with my mentor and the people I worked with during this internship. And that actually led me to a graduate research assistantship at Penn State. And who was my mentor during the RU became my PhD advisor. And um, there I completed my PhD at Penn State. And during grad school, I I participated as well in the AMS uh, activities, including um, involving myself in conferences, seminars, workshops. Um, I also visited research laboratories. And I think that that participation uh, together with with all these experiences um, led me or were the building blocks that led to my next career step.
0: Wow, that's amazing. I, I think it's really great that you started with internships even in high school when you were a sophomore. And it's great that Noah offers that because I know there's not a lot out there for high school students. and And how did you find out about that
2: that um, opportunity? So my mom saw it um, in the news. It was it was um, our local meteorologist back then um, had a science section and science and opportunity section. So it was promoted via the local news, and that's how uh, my mom learned about it. And then she was like, if you really want to study weather, this is your chance. So um, I'm very fortunate and grateful that that she pushed me towards that.
0: (laughs) So um, now that you, you know, you had finished all those internships, you um, you you had your Ph.D., did the graduate assistantship. So what was your first job in the field and, and how did you end up where you are now? Or is this perhaps your first position?
2: Right. So my first and current job is actually this one, (laughs) is being an advanced study program postdoctoral fellow at the Mesoscale and Microscale Meteorology Laboratory at NCAR, And I've been in this position just a bit over a year and a half now and enjoying it very much. I think um, how I ended up here is a result of establishing myself as an atmospheric scientist research in the field of tropical meteorology. And I think it's also due to the accumulation of experiences acquired, like those internships, building my network, um, visiting these these research labs, um, my involvement with AMS. All of those led me, I think, to be awarded this fellowship at NCAR.
1: So can you talk a little bit more about the fellowship at NCAR? You know, what's a typical day like? What are some of the activities that you're doing on a typical day?
2: Yeah, each day in my job can look very different, which is what I I like that a lot. (laughs) Um, uh, I'll say that, I'll start by saying that because of this fellowship, I have the flexibility to explore different research opportunities and chase my creativity as a scientist and researcher by asking and pursuing my own scientific questions. And so with that, um, one day can be me sitting in front of the computer all day, uh, doing code, analyzing data. Um, Some days can be trying to run a numerical weather prediction model and making sure all the bolts and knobs are working. Um, And then there are days where I'm just doing a thorough literature review and I spend hours and hours reading research and publications. Um, There are other days or perhaps months at times where I'm out in the field um, as a field scientist Last year, for example, I was part of two research uh, field campaigns, PRECEP and the NASA cpex And I get to travel around the world through those experiences. And I, for example, in CPEX, I was off the coast of Western Africa and it was also an aircraft mission type of uh, field campaign where we flew into convective systems and we flew into African issue waves. It was like a dream come true to be able to actually see them in person and fly into these systems that I usually study in the computer. And so during that time, you're, uh, for example, releasing radio sounds, You're analyzing the data that you're collecting in the field, Um, You're also being a field mission scientist. So sometimes you get to fly the mission and work with the pilots to fly into whatever region of the system you want to measure. And sometimes it's that we were in the ground supporting those flight mission scientists. In the field campaign uh, precept, I was actually... um, in the Pacific. So I was situated in this uh, Japanese island. It's very little. It's right next to Taiwan. It's called Yonaguni. And I spent a whole month there studying the weather and releasing radio songs and understanding what we were observing in the radar and uh, working with colleagues, international colleagues from Japan, from Taiwan, It was really an enriching experience. So I I, I get to do this as part of my job and and I feel really fortunate about that. I will say that a big other component of my job is actually this communicating science and communicating with folks, um, either the general public or um, the science community. Um, And I do that uh, across different platforms. Sometimes um, it could be conferences, Sometimes it could be social media. Um, I find myself, especially during my postdoctoral years, um, being invited to seminars and and workshops and presenting my research in that way. And in that way, I'm also building and 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 augmenting my my network and collaborators. It sounds so amazing I know. <laughs> and, and, and 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 like
0: varied. I mean, is there? Um, one thing in particular that you like most where, you know, when it's a day when you're doing that, you're like, oh, great. I'm so excited I get
2: to do this today. That is a hard question. I I like a lot of aspects about my job. Um, I think what I like most, if I had to pick something, is um, I get to learn every day something new, either through my research, through other scientists' research, by exchanging ideas and collaborating with scientists across the nation and even internationally. And I like that every day is not the same. And I get to share, uh, again, my research with, with the general public and the scientists. And, and another big aspect of my job is, is the fulfillment. At the end of the day, it's, it's that fulfillment that I'm able to save life and property either through directly communicating the science to the public and helping them get informed, um, or indirectly through the research by by informing the weather and climate models and, and, and adding to our knowledge of the tropical atmosphere. And then I think the other very big part of my job that I like the most is the fact that I can spend a lot of time doing service. I, I love mentoring. I... I am a big advocate for DEI efforts, for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so that I get to spend time doing that internally in NCAR, externally through AMS, I am an AMS CHALA member, Um, it's very fulfilling. And in that way, I can also help the younger generations come to the field and, and push them forward as well.
1: So, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges you face working uh, working in the field?
2: I think it's a double-edged sword situation. Um, I think the aspects that I like most about my job can also be the most challenging ones. Um, keeping up with the literature is very challenging. Every day, there's new research out there. Um, the The coding aspect, uh, the fact that you can, you have to be savvy in order to to be able to manage this big data, what we're calling today this big data. Every day there's more and more data availability, and how are we handling it? So it is important to, to, to be savvy in that way to actually be able to produce results and analysis. And communicating the science, uh, both written and orally, is, is also a challenge, I think, every day for me. And, and every day I'm learning something new. Kelly, could you talk a little bit about your
0: research on the genesis of tropical cyclones and how their interactions will evolve in the changing climate?
2: Of course. So my research has been evolving and the main aspect of my research has been focused on understanding how a hurricane forms, especially in the Atlantic. And so as you probably know, over the Atlantic, um, African-easterly waves, which are these synoptic-scale disturbances over Africa, can be the seed that form a hurricane. And so in my research, I've studied how that African-easterly wave interacts with convective systems, with thunderstorms and clouds, and how that interaction is important to ultimately a system to undergo genesis. And so, my research has found key differences between the characteristics of those clouds that are coupled to waves that do not become hurricanes and those that do. And it's all about the position of where these clouds are located with respect to the African Easterly Wave. And so, I found that when the clouds and those thunderstorms are very close to the vortex, to the trough of the African history wave. That's actually good. It provides them with that extra energy from that diabetic heating and condensation that is happening within the cloud to the vortex and ultimately helps the system grow into a hurricane. Another um, interesting result from my work has been that If you divide Africa into three different regions, so say Eastern, Central, and Western Africa, where these African easterly waves propagate, what we found is that those African easterly waves that originate over Eastern Africa, and so those that are influenced by topography, such as the Ethiopian highlands, those easterly waves are actually more likely to become hurricanes than those that originate over either Central or Western Africa. And what we propose in that research is that it's because these African-ishly waves spend more time interacting with clouds and thunderstorms over the continent and interacting with the moisture associated with the monsoon. And so they become more prepped to be candidates of becoming a tropical cyclone. And in my more recent work, I've actually been able, through the use of numerical weather prediction, alter the moisture in the atmosphere and see how that affects the evolution of an African easterly wave, and ultimate genesis. And what's interesting, what I'm finding is that in the experiments where, where I increase the moisture everywhere in the atmosphere, the African easterly wave ends up being a hurricane, but it's a weaker hurricane than in the control experiment. So in other words-
0: interesting.
2: It's very interesting. What I'm finding is that more moisture everywhere in the atmosphere, which we could think about it as our climate is changing with more, with an increase in temperature, we'll have more moisture availability, will not necessarily lead to more intense African easterly waves that will lead to more intense tropical cyclones. Now, of course, this is um, one research project, and there's many out there, but it's ongoing work, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah,
0: well, you know, thank you for that explanation because I, I'm not a scientist, but I could follow that, and you explained it very well, and it is—it's super interesting.
2: Thank you so much. I wanted to mention something that I forgot in the previous question about the challenges of my position right now. I think it's important to share with the listeners. Um, Being a postdoc um, is a temporal position. And so when you're doing your postdoctoral fellowship or your postdoc position, you're um, moving forward your research. But at the same time, you're also looking for your next career step. You're also applying for jobs. And that, I think, has been a very challenging aspect of being a postdoc, um, to be able to, to, to be strategic about um, what you want to pursue, what would be your next career step, while also doing all of these um, great work and, and, and communicating science and services. So for me, for example, I wish to stay as a research uh, scientist, that's what what I would like to pursue in my next career step. So I've been having to be very strategic and really looking into what opportunities are out there for me to be able to continue as a researcher.
1: Oh, that's great. And that really leads us into our our next question I was gonna ask and curious to uh, see what you think about, what are some of the qualities and attributes that you feel that a postdoctoral fellow uh, needs to be successful?
2: I believe a postdoctoral fellow can be successful um, in their research and careers. um, If they have the skill to effectively communicate the science both verbally and written, another important quality is to be able to do both independent and collaborative research uh, that will open opportunities to expand your research portfolio and your contributions to the field. And perhaps the more technical side, a post-tech that is savvy in coding and uh, actually using both model and observational data sets, I think it's an important quality as well.
0: So would your advice for students and early career professionals looking to establish careers in the field, would it be similar? Um, you know, learn coding and, and have some good communication, written skills. What are some of the, you know the courses that you found helpful or um, opportunities that you pursued that you know helped you um, get those skills uh, refined
2: definitely, I would say uh, all those opportunities, either coding classes as you mentioned, um, internship opportunities, classes where you can um, work more on your on your uh, communication skills. But I think an important advice to give students and early career professionals is to make sure that you at least have one mentor, a person that you can trust and they can guide you in your career. I think that's really important. Um, build your network and connections. Um, build the portfolio through publications, collaborations, and um, be willing to learn new, new tools Different research topics, keep up to date with the literature, and don't be afraid to ask questions.
1: Well, we're so grateful for everything you told us about your career. However, before you go, we always ask our guests one last fun question at the end of our show. So, what is your favorite food?
2: I love this question. My favorite food is called mofongo, it is a Puerto Rican delicacy, at least in my opinion. It is a uh, fried green plantains mashed to the shape of a small bowl, and it can be stuffed with veggies or meats. I like to have it with shrimp bathed in a garlicky sauce. It, it's so mm. delicious. <laughs> my grandma <laughs> made mofongo for me all the time growing up. She passed away, and so it's a way for me to connect with my heritage and remember my grandmother. Oh, that sounds interesting. So... Explain again, you, you take the plantains and you
0: mash them and then that shapes what you stuff?
2: Yes. So it's the green plantains, you first fry them in little pieces then you mash them together with apilong. That's the tool that is used and, and helps create that bowl shape. Um, and then people stuff them with veggies or different meats. I I personally think that stuffing them with shrimp and garlic is the best way to go about it. Um, it's so oh, yummy. It sounds it's, so good. Yeah, when you mash it, it becomes a soft consistency. It's 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 not hard at all. So it's really yummy. <laughs> it
0: sounds delicious and very healthy too, because it sounds like it's lots of vegetables and protein. So mm, right. I, I may have <laughs> to
2: try that for sure. <laughs>
0: Well, thanks so much for joining us, Kelly, and sharing your work experiences with us.
2: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And if listeners ever want to reach out, you can find me on email and social media. I'm very happy to answer any questions you may have about college choices, internship opportunities, and about an atmospheric research scientist career.
1: Well, that's our show for today. Please join us next time, rain or shine. Clear skies ahead. Conversations About Careers in Meteorology and Beyond is a podcast by the American Meteorological Society. Our show is edited by Peter Trebke. Technical direction is provided by Peter Killalay. Our theme music is composed and performed by Steve Savoy, and the show is hosted by Matt Mall and Kelly Savoy. You can learn more about the show online at www.ametsoc.org. Forward slash clear skies. And you can contact us at skypodcast at org if you have any feedback or would like to become a future guest.